Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Tuesday evening, where we are set to continue our reflections into the book of Genesis. We are discussing Sodom and Gomorrah, a discussion that has been, oh, ongoing now for about three or four programs, a discussion that started with God and his two angels encountering Abraham, right? Really, that was the discussion that set up our longer treatment of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, and that longer treatment that we are in the middle of right now. Today, this evening, I will read to you verses 15 to 29 that actually gets into the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But before I get into all of that, I did just want to continue to thank all of you who are taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to the radio KKXX and this program, Seeds of Truth, and all those who are tuning in by way of podcast, just not locally or statewide, or for that matter, nationally, but internationally in the countries of Canada, Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, uh, Chile. I see some people listening in uh, Western Europe, also in uh, South Africa. So I just welcome all of you who are tuning in to this program. We are studying the book of Genesis. As I noted, we are in chapter 19. We have been in the book of Genesis now for quite some time. I think this might be program number 40, if not 40, uh, somewhere thereabouts. So we have been at this for quite some time, taking up the book of Genesis twice a week. Uh, Wednesdays, of course, is is finding Christ and those spiritual themes and the movies we watch, and Thursday is Special Topic Thursday, tailored to your questions. Now, as it relates to Wednesday tomorrow, Father Mike will be joining me, and we are going to talk about the Black Panther, this box office hit. You know, it's it's important to touch upon the movies that you're watching. We have made a more concerted effort to make sure we are talking about those movies that you are going to the movie theaters to watch, and certainly Black Panther is a movie I think everyone has seen. So please do join Father Mike and I for uh, that program tomorrow, a program that I am very much looking forward to. Okay, with that, Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 to 29 a number of things to talk about here. So if you have your Bibles out, if you want to turn to those verses, and we will get going. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him forth and set him outside the city. And when they had brought him forth, they said, Flee for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Flee to the hills, lest you be consumed. And Lot said to them, O no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot flee to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, Yonder city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. 
He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Make haste, escape there, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley and beheld... And behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that, when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Okay, so here we have the, the very dramatic story of the Lord pulverizing the cities of the valley with flaming rocks of sulfur. To really get inside these verses, there are a number of things that I want to talk about. The first of which is God's mercy and why and when we see God's mercy. Note, my friends, what we have been talking about up to this point. Earlier, I was talking about the importance of Abraham and his bargaining with God. Why is that important? Because in the end, my friends, This is why God grants favor upon Lot. God remembered Abraham, we hear in verse 29. This is the second time, by the way, that Lot is rescued by the timely intervention of Abraham. So it is Abraham's intercession that leads to God intervening in the life of Lot. Why is this important? Because brothers and sisters in Christ, I would argue that we have that same call to be intercessors for one another, that God might shine mercy upon those who we are praying for. And, And maybe we won't have that opportunity that Abraham had to look down upon the region and see what happened, but at the same time know that that lot was spared. Maybe we won't have that opportunity, but maybe we will. I think we have all experienced or seen the fruits of our intercessory prayer. But I think also we have all experienced maybe some frustration with God, not quite understanding why God said, "Mm, not this time or not yet. Remember that sometimes in God's infinite wisdom, the greater yes is actually the no or the not yet. And of course, the ultimate barometer to everything we are talking about here is the salvation of the soul. Sometimes our prayer isn't answered because sometimes maybe what we are praying for isn't exactly what's best for the individual. We might think it's best. This is why the greatest prayer are those four words, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Yes, be intentional in your prayer. St. Paul certainly encourages us to do so. But as we are, be mindful of that prayer that came from the lips of Jesus himself, not my will, but thy will be done. But thy will be done. So sometimes accepting the no, my friends, is an act of faith, an act of trust, whereby we believe that while we don't see the answer to our immediate prayer, God is listening 
And well, in the end, God the Father knows best. And to some degree, maybe he does come through and we just simply don't see it. Right? <laughs> we either pass away or God just doesn't grant us that favor. I think we have been on both sides of this experience. Nonetheless, what is important for us to focus on is that our prayer does bear fruit, and the fruit is God's mercy. It is God's merciful love that led to Lot being saved from Sodom and ultimately led to Zoar, right? One of the five plain allied cities, which is known as the Little One, right? The Little One, which, oh, by the way, what do you hear when you hear that phrase, the little one, but Bethlehem, Bethlehem, right? The least among the great cities we hear in the great prophecy is where the Messiah will come. The least unexpected is always the little one. So it's interesting, the little one, um, just a nod, I think, there towards Bethlehem. All right, what about Lot? And for that matter, Lot's wife, this lingering, this hesitation, and this looking back. We read in verse 16, but he lingered. He lingered. The Hebrew there can also translate as he hesitated. He was unsure. Maybe we could say he was of two minds on one thing. This is probably why Lot's wife looked back. She was unsure. She hesitated. She lingered. She was looking back. She was of two minds on one thing. Of two minds on one thing. What does the word doubt mean? What does the word doubt mean? Dubia is the Latin. <laughs> to be of two minds on one thing is what the word doubt means. I kind of sort of have my foot in this over here, but I kind of sort of want to be in this over there. Right, This back and forth where you're really uncertain. You have two minds on one thing. To be doubtful is to lack certainty, is to lack conviction. So in the end, Lot's wife looked back. If you are a faithful listener to Seeds of Truth radio programming, you know how important the Beatitudes are, just not for me, right? But for the Christian faith, to better understand each Beatitude for what it is and how once you understand all the Beatitudes... In their sequence, we can then better understand what it means to live the Christian Catholic life each and every day. Well, in that beatitude, blessed are the pure of heart, what do you have that might be in assistance to better understand how to overcome doubt? Remember the word for purity comes from the Greek kathados, kathados, which best translates as without mixture, okay? To be one thing. The idea in principle is if you have a pure heart, you are single-minded. You are of one mind. You are of one heart. What did doubt mean? But to be of two minds on something. To be undecided. To not know what direction to go. And sometimes to hesitate, to linger. Dare I say, look back. So in the end, my friends... If we wish to acquire a pure heart, we must, of course, pray for the gift of faith and increase in the gift of faith. And as we do, understand that with it comes a certain conviction. 
a certainty, if you will. And as you go deeper in God and deeper in faith, the more sound you will be in your decision-making, and that will certainly include (laughs) staying away from all those things that are impure. And then it just feeds on itself, right? As vice begets more vice, certainly virtue begets more virtue. So very important as we reflect into the lingering, the hesitation, the looking back. Uh, What else could be said here? As it relates to the looking back, what does the word conversion mean? What was the first proclamation? Repent and believe the good news is at hand. Repent and believe the good news is at hand. The Greek word for repentance is what but metanoia. Metanoia. So a change of mind, literally, right? A change of mind. But it, it also speaks to this new direction, this moving forward this not looking back. So in the light of this, in relationship to metanoia and repentance, there's this kind of prevailing question. Have we embraced our initial conversion? Were we firmly repentant and and firmly resolved? Incidentally, the Greek there for metanoia, as it's employed in the New Testament, recalls the Old Testament understanding of conversion of this moving away from one thing so as to move towards another, right? And this is what the contrition and resolution is all about. And does this not make up our act of contrition, right? We are sorry for our sin. We are then also resolved to change. In point of fact, to the measure we are resolved to change draws out how really sorry we are. This is why those two are always seen in light of each other. How serious are you about your repentance? How serious are you about your conversion? You know, Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said that if you have truly encountered Christ, then your life will never be the same. Think about that statement. If you have truly encountered Christ, then your life will never be the same. I dare ask you a question with that statement, a question I ask myself. Since my first real, authentic encounter with Christ? Has my life been the same? Am I taking the necessary steps to gradually transform my life? Am I examining my strengths and weaknesses? Just not my talents, but also where I'm called to grow and how God might work in that, that I might become a better version of who God is calling me to be? Or, Have I claimed to have an encounter with Christ, and in the end, in my heart, I don't love, I don't serve, I don't do what I do for the glory of God? If that is the case, brothers and sisters in Christ, I can only at best echo the words of the Baptist, right? Repent and believe and internalize those words. Is your life the same? Because if it is not, what will happen? You will look back with the same kind of fondness that Lot's wife looked back. Now, why was she looking back? What was she looking back at? Oh, many have speculated. (laughs) She was a woman. And as I was talking about this with uh, a radio peer here, he said maybe she was just looking back at her home. Maybe that's what it was. Whatever it was, she was looking back with a fondness. 
and maybe it was a looking back at the sin she once enjoyed. Certainly, there is a reason why she turned into a pillar of salt. (laughs) So it probably had something to do with her heart being tied to what she was once a part of. The call to be Christian is radical. It is absolutely radical. And remember what the word radical means. It comes from the Latin that literally means root, to the root. If we are going to talk about conversion, authentic conversion, then it has to go to the source, to the root. Otherwise, over time, what's going to happen? The conversion itself won't last. Your relationship with Jesus Christ won't last. How deeply, how firmly has that seed been planted? If you're not looking back, if you are of one mind and one heart on the person of Jesus Christ and the Trinitarian God, then you are well on your way. You have heard me say before that, you know, one of the great tasks of the adversary is to create the side glance, to create that side glance, to divert. This is one of the great tasks of Satan, the tempter, the one who diverts, right? That definitive article in the Greek, the one who. So the one who diverts, this is his function. The one who diverts, the one who confuses. He wishes to divert us from the path. So he has created all of these side glances where we are preoccupied. But what does Jesus say to this? In the Sermon on the Mount. Earlier I was talking about the Beatitudes. Well, the Beatitudes are really the the forerunner to the whole Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 to 7. And in the, the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us the great Sermon on Trust. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about the things you cannot control. But trust in me. The Greek for worry and, and anxious is actually preoccupied. Do not be preoccupied. Do not get caught up in the side glance, is what Jesus is telling us. God and and the angels were telling Lot, don't get caught up in the side glance. Stay focused on what is before you and understand that this is a great favor. What do we read in verse uh, 20 and 21? Behold, yonder city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor. I grant you this favor. Brothers and sisters, to live in the Beatitudes is to live in God's favor. The Greek word for blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are so-and-so in the Beatitudes. The Greek, therefore, blessed is makarios, favorable standing with God. Just as Lot received favor from God, so are we called to live in God's favor. Now, I received a few questions. Why salt? Oh gosh, much can be said here again. As the Ignatius commentary notes on the pillar of salt, Lot's wife becomes part of the very landscape (laughs) that she was a part of right, resembling one of the natural salt formations in the southern Dead Sea Basin. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. We are salt, and to salt we shall return. And again, I cannot speak to it enough. Verse 
uh, 29. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Uh, Abraham and his intercession is an important point to be had with this verse. But clue in to something else that is going on here. Lot lived in a very corrupt city. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you live, but as John Paul II would like to say, as a whole, we live in a culture of death. And some cities are more noble than others. But wherever you live, certainly you probably don't have to look far for grievous sin. And as such, we should be reminded that if we remain blessed, if we stay steadfast in God's Beatitudes, that great charter for holiness, then yes, we will find favorable standing with God. You know, it is so easy to read some of these stories from the Old Testament and just kind of detach ourselves from them. Either look at them as something that really didn't happen, or you want to know what? That was way back when, and we really don't have to deal with that anymore. Brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, please understand that in the light of everything we have been talking about over the last 40 episodes has everything to do with the response to that whole mindset. What have we said time and time again? But what is found in the book of Genesis are life lessons for us today. Yes, we live in a culture of death, and we very may well live in a city like that of Sodom. I don't know. But don't let that get you down. Rise up and be a man or woman of God, a son or daughter of God, with the deeper understanding that God has planted you firmly in the very specific place you are in right now, today, to witness to the person and the people you are around so that they may draw closer to God. That these stories are very real stories that have very pertinent lessons for all of us. And, and they're more than just fables, right? They're deeply rooted Christian truths that should speak to us today. So please, don't hesitate don't linger, don't look back, but embrace that encounter you've had with Christ. And if for one reason or another you might be saying to yourself today, for the first time in a long time, well, you want to know what? Maybe my encounter with Christ wasn't real. Maybe my conversion wasn't real. Turn to the Father. Engage sacred scripture and ask for that singular grace to live in the love and life of God in an altogether new way. And when you do that, you will then begin to live the life of a Christian, a life that would bear witness to the glory of God. So as we are mindful of the lessons that come to us from our reflections this evening, which also include the importance of praying for one another, right? The importance of praying for one another, that God's mercy shines on us because someone else on our behalf asked that God's mercy shine on us. I mean, how great is that? The great St. Padre Pio once said that we will have many, many, many people to thank. On the other side, we come to find out the numerous people that were praying for us. 
and how God responded to those numerous prayers. Amen? Amen. That's a wrap. Let us go ahead and close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of, no, of another evening, the gift to be able to reflect into the inexhaustible riches of your word and how each and every word of each and every verse ought to be meditated upon, that it might be poured into our everyday living, that it actually might find its place in our integrated life of seeking virtue and that call that is before us, that universal call to holiness. So it is we seek that grace, not to hesitate, not to linger, not to look back, but always looking forward, praying that prayer, thy will be done. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.